everyone, it's Benji here. I just want to let you guys know that the Budget Overland podcast is uh, no more. Uh, ended that back in February 2024. I just wanted to come on here and give you guys a disclaimer as to not buy anything from Budget Overland Official. The only two things that you should be able to join is the Facebook group, and that is under groups, and it's called Budget Overland. You have to ask to join. It's still up and operational. And then BudgetOverlandPortal.com will still be up and operational until the domain name runs out, which I believe is good till 2026. Anything, everything else that's Budget Overland out there, please don't support. Please don't buy. It's either spam, scam, or something else. Uh, just want to let you guys know, I did start a new podcast called Newfound Overland. It's available on all major platforms. Love to have you over there. Uh, just kind of disclaimer here, guys, up front before you get into today's episode. There's a lot of gold out here. You know, every episode we had some good guests and good topics. So I don't want to discourage you guys from listening further. So please do. And I'd love to see you over on Newfound Overland. Bye-bye. Welcome back to another episode of the Budget Overland Podcast. I am your host. Happy Thursday to each and every one of you out there in listening land. Yes, we've got a lot of transitioning going on around here, but don't be alarmed. I'm not going anywhere just yet. And I will let you know where I'm going, when and where. But... That's not why we're here today. Today, we're here because I've been trying to get this guy on the podcast for a hot minute. And uh, finally, I don't know how this worked out, but last night we were going to record and that didn't work out. But today, <clears throat> not not even like an hour ago, I texted him. He's like, man, I can do it right now. I was like, shoot, yeah, let's do it. So without <laughs> any further ado, I got Mr. Cody with White Dog Overland. How are you? What's going on, man? I'm doing good. Just a Just a nice Wednesday afternoon hanging out. Yeah, people yeah. people say I'm a little bit hard to get a hold of, so I apologize for that. But <laughs> no, I, I get we were, that a lot. It seems like we're kind of the same. You're like, dude, I'm horrible at scheduling. I'm like, yes, I am too. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I tried Calendilly or whatever it's called, and it, every once in a while I'll do that. But and that yeah. goes. I've got probably a few people I've never even returned emails. So if that's you, I apologize. Send me another email oh. if you want to come on the show. So, no, yeah. Hang on, sorry, these dogs. Hey, that's fine. They're going to be on the the next segment. <laughs> that's the white dog. That's the white dog going off. Let's talk so about that. Come introduce yourself. So, just real quick, like, how old is your dog? She's a uh, four. I rescued her um, when she was about three months uh, from a family who they were in their eighties. Um, she's a Great Pyrenees. So, uh, if anyone knows anything about Great Pyrenees, you know they're not really a dog for anyone older in age they're kind of a lot mm. to handle um but my wife and i we have horse property uh i work on a ranch so you know it's perfect situation i actually have two of them so uh nice. she just fit right in but yeah we try Very to we cool. try to rescue our dogs and i've had you know i've had trail dogs and whatnot in the past but um she just from day one she just really uh really vibed with me i started taking her out every day i take her to work every day so her and I have a really strong connection and that's kind of what I based the channel around was, you know, just mm-hmm. adventures with my dog pretty much. Yeah. So just, uh, we've never met, you know, this is our first time talking. So, and I want to give everyone out there listening cause we've only got a short amount of time to talk and we're going to be all over the place. So like your, your name is white dog overland and it's because of your dog. But, um, whenever you let, we're going to skip all over the place, but whenever you started white dog overland, like YouTube, were you planning on, you know, it being this successful or with your dog? Were you just going out and kind of documenting your trips? And then, yeah, just- yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I never really, uh, I, I've, I've always enjoyed cinematography when I was younger, you know, I messed around with cameras and such. And 
uh, I go out, you know, almost every weekend and I'm like, heck, why not just start recording everything I do? Um, and that's basically how it started. I was like, you know, I could use this platform to really show what mm -hmm. I'm doing out here in Southern Arizona. Um, and my wife was like, yeah, go for it. Just, just see what you can come of it. And that's, uh, that's where it all began. I love it. I think that's awesome. Whenever they organically kind of happen, that just kind of shows that your heart was in it, man, for, for the yeah. the good things, not the greedy things. And that's, that's a fine line no, in today's, you know, <laughs> culture. <laughs> with the Exactly. Overlay. The money, you know, once you hit monetization, <laughs> obviously you're getting paid to do this. It's cool, but Sure. I don't want to just do it for the money. I want to be able to yeah. base my platform around something positive. I focus yeah. on the history aspect. I'm sure we'll go down that, but yeah, I just, I, I just enjoy working with my camera and showing off the terrain and that sort of stuff. So love it. Let's backtrack again. Um, how long have you been like camping and stuff? You grew up doing it or is it something you found um, along the way? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, so my dad, my dad, uh, God from, so I was born in 95. Uh, when I was born, he had a 1994 Tacoma. Um, actually, I think it was a pickup. And uh, he took me out in that. I don't remember that much. In 2001, he bought a, a brand new Tundra off the lot. Um, and from as early as I can remember, he was taking me out hunting, you know, deer hunting, quail hunting, dove hunting out in that truck, uh, just exploring all over the southern Arizona backcountry. And uh, by the time I was... 16 um i got my first car it was a ford explorer uh two-wheel drive and i really i just i wanted to get out there um pretty eager to do that so eventually i traded that for a uh, first gen tacoma um and that was two-wheel drive and i made mm. the mistake of putting way too much money into that and mm. i went down the road of doing you know the four-wheel drive swap that whole thing and that was just you know an ignorant 17 year old thought process. So Dang. I traded it in, um, bought a second gen Tacoma and that's really, really when it took off. I think it was, I was about 17 or 18 when I bought that truck. And that's really what sparked my interest was really getting out there and doing the actual four wheel drive stuff. So nice. And just, you know, since it's been probably 10, 11 years, I've been doing this really consistently, you know, I've taken some hiatuses in between, but you know, it's just been pretty Man. consistent, and I just really fell in love with the backcountry. I love it. I love that you've been doing it. Man, that's a lot longer than I thought you were doing it. So I've only been kind of doing my little thing here, and I only go down roads that are legal trails and all that, which I'm sure you do too. But, like, yeah, you've yeah, got, yeah. you've got, I don't know, because where I'm at in, in the central United States, like Arkansas, Missouri, all those, everybody goes down to Arkansas because it's the closest right. thing you could touch to, like, Ozarks. Yeah, like yeah. that's the closest thing you can touch Colorado or, or mountainy terrain or you know stuff like right. that. Cool obstacles. Right, and stuff. Right. So anyway, it's very busy down there. There's a lot of trails. I mean, still, still, still there's like millions of acres out there, but it's right. like the trails are becoming more and more populated. And we try to always find trails that are either seasonal or that just opened or right. that no one knows of. With your previous, you know, experience in the backcountry and stuff. What's all changed in the last like 10 or so years that you've been driving, you know, versus today because it's so popular, this overlanding thing? Is it still yeah. kind of secluded in these areas where you go or do you see a bunch of like newer vehicles and people, I guess, unfamiliar? So people. we have 
you know, 53% of our state um, acreage is, is public land. So we have a lot of land. We're one of nice. the, I think we're top five in the nation for, uh, for public land access. Um, so, I mean, what's really changed, if, if any of the listeners right now have listened to any of my YouTube videos, uh, I harp on razors a lot and side-by-sides. Same. And that is really <laughs> what has changed. I, I'm sure, I'm sure you can empathize. I mean, last weekend, you know, this is, this is a great example. We were kind of up, uh, maybe two hours north of where I'm at here in Tucson, um, up near the Gila River. And we were on, you know, 50, 60 miles of dirt. And then we get closer and closer to these really popular locations. And, you know, we easily mm. saw 60 or 70 razors in one time, but. What's kind of nice is I, a lot of people in the razor community, they're, they're, they're new. You know, they went to ride now. They finance their ultimate off-road machine. They download Onyx or whatever. They see the featured trails. They hop on those. They go to their locations and they leave. So there's, mm-hmm. in Arizona, we have a really great opportunity to get away from those featured trails since we have, I mean, there's just roads everywhere. I, where I'm at now, I live about five minutes from Reddington Pass and it's just mm. open riding. I mean, I'm five minutes from dirt. So it's pretty Man, easy awesome. just to get out and get away. Yeah. And you can go down roads that are just, just have no end to them. So, I mean, I'm pretty fortunate in that aspect. So have you been mapping, I guess, before like Guy and Onyx and all that stuff? What did you use to map back in the day? Like uh, Google, uh, Google or paper Earth. maps? Yeah. Yeah, Google Earth. Um, I had some old topo maps. Uh, I had, uh, my dad had some, you know, 50s, 60s topo maps that, uh, you know, I would just look at them and I, I was really into exploring mines. I still am. We have, you know, Sweet. mines all over Arizona, but, um, I would hop on the old topo maps, see what's still recorded and just send it, get on those trails and see what's out there. And that's essentially still what I do. I mean, just adventuring, you know, old mines, abandoned homesteads, old ranching cabins. We just have loads of that. So, but yeah, then Onyx and Gaia came out and just changed, changed everything. It's, I can hop yeah. on my phone and I can plan a 200 mile dirt route in, you know, 30 minutes. It's pretty That's simple. Wild. Well, then yeah. it's a, it's a catch 22 also, you know, you get all these right. who's out there and, uh, that says it's a legal trail, but it's really not. And then you've got, the, yeah. you know, with all these trail closures lately, it seems Arkansas just got a oh, bunch yeah. shut down because of, uh, you know, it's a forest service roads. A lot of it are for So for the people out West, our forest service roads are pretty gnarly, like oh, okay. moderate to hard. You know, it's okay. like we got not big maintained. rock legends. So like, you know, my California friends and all those, they always say like, oh, you're just soft landing and all that. And then they're like, oh, dang, we saw your pictures from last weekend. You guys are out wheeling. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what we call it. But it's, you know, there's different flavors of this overland. I kind of went over because I'm making a transition from this to a different podcast and a whole new venture. And I made up a huge Venn diagram. So I've got like eight different things I went through. You got the bro landers, you got the rock landers, you got all these (laughs) things. And I'm like, they're all very specific because I was really hating on the word overland. You know, I was like, I no, hate I, I'm, the, I hate. I'm the same way. It's just become uh, such a sort of cliche thing that people yes. really, they buy these rigs, you know, they, they kid them out, you know, they, most of them bought them in 2020, uh, ex car guys or whatever. And they wanted to get yeah. outside because of COVID they take it down to their local, you know, four wheel parts or whatever. They have them get kitted out rooftop 10, everything. And then, you know, they take them out to a coffee and crawlers, once a month they hit one local trail run i mean 
I that was mean, another I don't want a bad mouth, but nah, no, everyone sees it, and that's why yeah. I'm like, you know, screw it, I'm done with overlanding. I'm gonna come right. up with something and not call it that. Anyway, I went over my Venn diagram. I was like, I'm pretty much describing like myself almost to a point, you know, a little bit of flavor from here and there. But I'm like, this is overlanding. This is what it is. You know, it's vehicle dependent, it's, reliant travel. It's a broad but term, then there's, you know. It's very, very broad. And it's broad. I, th- I think where it gets really loose is with the corporate companies that are just now trying Absolutely. to cash in on it. So yep. that's where yep. we see the distortion. Uh, but if guys like me and you and, you know, we got friends out there that do all this stuff, too. If we could all stay true to that and be good advocates of trail, uh, tread lightly. Exactly. We'll be exactly. Good. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's just, you know, it's a lot of preservation. It's it's mostly yeah. about educating people and teaching people. 100%. I mean, been doing this long enough to know, like, you know, when I get out with someone new, I can tell their experience and, you know, I just want to guide them in the right direction and. I mean, it's, it's become so commercialized. Everyone wants to yeah. do it now. So putting out a good message and, you know, responsibility, that's what I try to do on my platform is really try to promote trail etiquette, you know, mm-hmm. clean up, clean up what you leave and, uh, that sort of thing. So yeah, just, it's just try surprising. To be it's surprising to me, like how many people don't know how to use the restroom outside. And I'm oh, talking yeah. men yeah. and women responsibly you know and then we'll roll up on some campsites and you see a bunch of toilet paper just wadded underneath a log and you're like what's this i'll tell you i'll tell you a story man it's uh pretty pretty bad but um we were we were camping above lake Powell and um pretty Uh, rocky uh and my dog likes to roll in a cow poop um and you know dead animals and stuff and um I'm kind of, you know, walking around the edge of Lake Powell, looking down, um, and I'm seeing toilet paper all over. And mm. I look back, and my big white dog has just got a brown streak mm. down her side. And it's, uh, it wasn't cow poop, I'll tell you that. So mm. the responsibility that people aren't really showing, I mean, this is a national park. You know, you should really yeah. have, have a little more logic to it. But it's, you know, it's just, yeah, there's a lot of that. It's... It's saddening that that schools don't teach this. You know, they teach yeah. you how to go to college yeah. and get a job and stay in the jungle, the concrete right. jungle. Right. Where's the Where's the Boy Scouts, if you will? I know. Golly, did you hear that? Some no, guy's rolling through town on right as Jake breaks. Good grief! Um, <laughs> I was like, okay, so if that comes, uh, so let's go back to the side by side store. Do you guys do like permits uh, and stuff? Are they regulated heavily out there? Or is no, it kind of like you just no, turkey and go? All. Exactly. Okay. You walk into ride now, you throw it on a trailer and you can be on trails in minutes. And you know, I, I don't ever, ever advocate for bigger government, but I like what Utah's done. Um, they require OHV permits. So yeah. that, you know, going through a class, uh, that sort of would teach these people who have not had any off-roading experience, you know, the sort of etiquette you need, um, trail safety, that sort of stuff. I mean, I'm starting to see a lot more now. Uh, people in big groups of razors, you know, they're throwing up one, two, three or whatever, um, how many they have behind them. Um, yeah. but a lot of the times we don't see that and they come ripping around corners and just, just not really using their heads. I've had buddies yeah. that have been, you know, taken out on blind corners by them. One of my good friends rolled his truck three or four times, uh, because Dang. the razor cut him off, didn't even stop. So Whoa. yeah, yeah. A lot of yuppies, a lot of yuppies mm. in the uh, sort of razor community that just aren't, they don't, they don't know. 
Yeah, that's the difference of going like three and six miles an hour in crawl mode, and then those guys go on yeah. thirty. <laughs> coming <laughs> like, coming out and just ripping, yeah. Coming in, and that's uh, well, you know, the dealerships sell them on this ultimate off road vehicle that you know if, sure. if it's public, you can take it out, and that's all they really see is just you know it's this machine that can do whatever, and for now, you know, some of these corners, all backfires. Yeah, Oh yeah, until it all backfires. Exactly. Very unfortunate, and and I'm the same thing with you. The smaller the government, the better. But I think there should be sure. guidelines, and I, I yeah. also like that the permit aspect of it, because let's yeah. roll that back into you know making sure that trails are maintained and right. you know, are are open, kept open. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, just generating more funding through a permit system that that helps that whole process in the end. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I wish Arizona would implement something like that again. Don't want more government, but following, following Utah's yeah. protocols for, you know, OHV stuff, I think it would be a smart thing. I think that's going to be the next move. And I know a lot of people, it depends on where you're at in the country, folks. If you're not seeing these trail closures, if you're not seeing purple paint put up, I don't know if you guys have a trespassing issue out there with it being 50 per- 53% open, you know, for the, for public use, you probably don't it come happens. across a lot we of public stuff. Okay. Right. But like for us, I mean, uh, it's legal to go through private property if there's an existing, you know, county road or government right. trail or whatever you want to call it. That's a hundred percent. Most of the legal. time there's in, yep, yep, exactly. So down here, farmers or whoever take their tractor out, put their, you know, bucket down and just make a big berm. And then they'll yeah. be like, paint tape all over the place and then you kind of question so sometimes and especially down in the middle of nowhere arkansas you know sometimes you're down sketchy places and you roll up on (laughs) jim bob's log cabin and he doesn't (laughs) want to anything to do with anybody let alone a bunch of you know yuppie looking rigs coming in there with their rooftop tents and stuff Right. Anyway, I feel like I'm on a little tangent here but let's shift gears a little bit Uh, we were talking about I always like to try to see what the guests my guests do uh, like if there's something they're pertain- particularly good at, and you said mapping, uh, planning uh, routes and all that stuff for your area, is there kind of a right. process you go through you could share? If you want to share, don't give um, all your Yeah, no, me. no, for sure. I actually just made a video of kind of, I had a lot of people asking how I plan my big routes. Because um, I, I, I specifically, I like to do four or five days uh, where we don't hit any asphalt. We're on dirt the whole time. Um and that, that can be somewhat challenging out here. We have so much land, but, uh, I basically use Onyx and, uh, Gaia. I like the old, um, Gaia has an overlay that has like a 1960s topo map. So I yeah. pretty much all my routes are based around some sort of historical relevance to a region. Um, you know, I really like to focus on Apache history. So I'll go down southwest, southeast corner of Arizona and I will just, on my map, I'll just figure out, you know, what mountain range can I connect, you know, this county road to this mountain and then so forth. So it's, it's, I mean, it's really simple, but, you know, I like to always try to find a solid camp spot with a good view. Um, on, and Onyx is, Onyx is a great tool. So I think if more people utilize Onyx for what it is rather than just hitting the uh, featured trails, you can really find a lot of cool stuff. That's one app I've never really dealt with was Onyx because Guy is really popular in our area. And it seems like as you cross like the Midwest over West, you know, as long as you, whenever you go West, it seems like Onyx is king out there for good reason. There's a lot more BLM land out there. So, yeah, yeah. 
I, I Gaia Gaia is great because it has all those specific overlays. If you want to find cabins, I think you it's find just caves. too complicated for people. Exactly. You know? Yeah, it is, and that's that's all right. I mean, it's going to keep people on these designated trails, and you know, mm-hmm. most of the time, do they have? Uh, they don't really. I won't say they don't have the uh, right, but you know, do they have the knowledge to go explore these? Uh, you know, unmapped roads, and a lot of the times, no. I mean. Last weekend, we took a trail that uh, it was unmarked. It was off one of the featured trails. It wrapped down into the super gnarly canyon. I mean, I wasn't expecting it. I, I got body damage on my truck. I mean, I think you saw it in my story. It was just completely overgrown. And I don't think a lot of people have the means to be going down those trails. So I think, you know, having Onyx being so popular out here, it keeps people on the highlighted stuff. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's good. Um, yeah, going back to, uh, finding Epic camp spots, like that's a big thing for you. Um, yeah. When, when do you throw the towel in when, when you're like, man, we're a long ways <laughs> off. We just need to throw up camp tonight. You know, once that starts, dark, sun starts, uh, exactly. Once that start, sun starts, you know, cresting the uh, horizon line, I'm like, all right, you know, screw it. Let's, uh, let's pop it out yeah. right here. So and a lot of the times I'll pre plan my camp spots and, you know, it's, it's the weather's inevitable. So you might hit this super gorgeous peak. It's got this crazy view and it's just blowing 30 miles an hour. So I'm not going to deal with that. I'm going to find a nice canyon to tuck in, but it's always different. It's unpredictable. Yeah. You more, you more or less like the camping aspect or more of the exploring aspect. I mean, the exploring aspect being it could sure. take you all day long to do five miles or whatever. And then exactly. I know some people That's that wheel into camp and they're there all weekend long. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I can't, I can't do that. I mean, there's, <laughs> either. there's just so much land to see. It's like, why am I going to restrict myself to this one camp spot? I, it's like, you know, I have my buddies that I go out with, but they're only so interesting to sit around with for 12 hours sure. a day. So I'm like, dude, let's get out on the trail. Let's go see new environment. Um, there's people, you know, that that's that's what's for them. They want to sit around in the same spot, yeah. and, you know, that's great. Sometimes I'll do that if my wife is uh, with me. She'd rather just kind of hang out and relax all day, not really. I, it seems like a lot of women just kind of get stressed out on the trail once we start getting into technical stuff. So, I mean, I'll do that every now and then, but I mostly just prefer to prefer to get, get out there and see new, see new areas. Let's talk about that for a minute because it, it is very odd and rare that women, females like to go out um, yeah. and do this stuff. You know, it stresses yeah. my wife out if we do gnarly trails and stuff. But like if right. we're going, you know, I try to accommodate her and my son whenever we do trips together, you know, even sure. if we're staying at a campground, I don't care as long as they're happy, you know. But like, has she like grown up camping or did you in- no. introduce that to her? And no, how's she- that process been? <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, at first it was her and I are both very independent. Um, she, she did grow up riding horses. So she's a, she's outdoorsy, but the camping aspect, she, she had no part of before she met me. We've been together for about 10 years. I mean, she was there when I bought my first truck. So, and, uh, obviously, you know, I got a little crap here and there for throwing new mods on, but eventually she was, she just, kind of became about what I was about and we just integrated our lifestyle. She doesn't go out with me a whole lot, but, um, every now and then when I have a trail planned, uh, that's just kind of mellow and not cold. Um, Mm -hmm. she's, she's in for it, but, and every now and then, you know, I'll get her behind the wheel and try some technical stuff and that kind of keeps her interest peaked in it. But Mm -hmm. 
She's she's do pretty you, easy going. Do, do you guys enjoy cooking at camp? Or are you guys foodies or anything? Or you just want to get full? I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm just like, throw a burger on my cast iron every night. Throw a ribeye on there. I don't need sides. You know, right. it's just, I'm super simple. She's like, oh, you know, let's make shrimp tacos and this and that. And <laughs> I'm I'm just like okay I'm I'm cool with the cheeseburgers literally every night I could do that four nights in a row I just don't want to yeah. spend a lot of time cooking, cleaning you know having to cook breakfast I'd rather just wake up, get some coffee in me and get on to the next spot. Sweet, I think that's relatable to a lot of people also. Um, yeah, shifting a little bit towards your dog, how do you accommodate her? Like, um, you have to get out and walk. Does she trail follow you? How does that work? I mean, yeah, so she's, a uh, she's been off leash. I've actually never even owned a collar for her. Um, she's very responsive to me. Uh, if anyone knows great Pyrenees, they know they're not the most intelligent dogs, but I started her at a very young age, really, really training her, really getting her mindful of my demands. And, uh, she's as mellow as it comes. I mean, we just, uh, I tell her we're going camping. She gets pumped. I throw her in the back of the truck and I can drive eight hours without letting her out and, you know, give her some water here and there. And she's happy as wow. soon as, as soon as we hit, hit the back country, she's all about it. So that's and I cool. have, I have two other dogs. Um, they're kind of my wife's dogs. I don't really bring them. They're kind of, uh, they're, they're good dogs. Don't get me wrong. It's just my dog knows the routine. She knows the process. Yeah. So it's just easier with the one. Yeah. Cause I mean, a lot of people don't, I don't know. There's, I think most of us, and I don't care if you're a cat lover, cats are the devil, but most <laughs> dog people are like pretty chill, laid back people. But like a lot of dogs, and I was joking about the cats a little bit, um, but like dogs can get stressed out, like super stressed out. So yeah, starting them at a younger age, like I got two bigger dogs and they're, they're older and they're not ever going to go with me. Um, but right. I've got a little uh, French bulldog and she just sits up oh, front okay. and just bounces funny. around and yeah. sleeps all day i'm like yeah and then like she's leashless you know she'll just follow yep. me within three to four feet at night i don't have to worry about her running off uh, yeah she's kind of a dumb dog also i mean it's just not dumb dog they're just simple dogs if, exactly as long dog. as they come when you call them and you know yes. they listen to you that's all that really matters but <laughs> certainly starting them young um that starting helps. Them young helps a lot yeah yeah the training aspect the older they get they just kind of get set in their ways i mean there's that old yeah. saying, which is pretty spot on, but Tyler from independence overland did a, a dog video on how he accommodates blue and, uh, okay. their dog gets he's got of, the, uh, FJ. I think yep, I've the seen blue some one. of his videos. Yep. Yep. So their dog's fairly older, uh, but it goes uh -huh. everywhere with them. And yeah. so he went down like a huge, um, you know, consideration list for your dog. And I thought that was a really good video. Okay. I mean, a lot of people, uh, don't want to take their animals or their dogs because of right. that reason. You know, they don't want to get right. anxiety or sick or anything like that. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, no, I, I, I almost feel like I might've seen that a couple of years ago when he put that out, but I think that's, yeah, I think putting that sort of, uh, that sort of content out there to get people, um, what's the word more, uh, more confident bringing their dog out mm -hmm. is great because because yeah. you know everyone all dogs are different i mean they're all mm -hmm. gonna have different needs on the trail a lot of them get anxiety but um yeah yeah i think if if people really uh really try to have a little confidence and just try it a few times um 
you know, they might be able to uh, have that companion out there with them. And for me, that's super important having a dog yeah. out on the trail. I mean, when I do solo camping, I, I would go absolutely crazy without my dog. So yeah, dogs just have a nice, they're, they're, they're alert to a point, you know, most dogs oh, yeah. are, they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll hear things you don't, they'll smell things you can't. So I oh, think yeah. that's a, that's a good thing to have, especially it is. going back to trying to get your, you know, girlfriend or wife to go with you. I ain't going to go all the time, but you can yeah. you probably got a family dog that you could take with you. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. She's always ready to go. And I mean, when I'm, I'm going out to these real spooky places, I mean, we got, we have wildlife out here. She's a livestock guardian dog. So as soon as we pull into a camp spot, she just kind of circles the perimeter a few times, does a perimeter check and, Cool. I know it's safe. She gets alerted to stuff, and uh, yeah, I don't really have to worry about that. Sweet. Let's shift gears again. Let's go into. You said you like going, like uh, exploring old mines and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, ghost towns are they pretty uh, heavy out there? Or not really oh, yeah. anymore. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's What's some uh, crazy things you could tell us about any of those things. I, we don't have a lot of that around here. I'm, I'm envious of that so <laughs> wish I could um, go. <laughs> spooky story yeah we have and i'm kind of surprised because you know the further east you go the more ancient per se um the back yeah. country out there gets but i mean out here things were just left behind in a matter of minutes because all you know apache conflicts that sort of stuff people just up and left you know mining booms die out um I have a, there's a really unique place. Uh, it's about an hour and a half from my house, uh, due east. Um, it's called Redfield Canyon. Uh, if anyone has ever heard of it, it's a, God, I don't even know how to explain it. It's down in this really deep canyon, you know, 200 foot walls, and it's just the most elaborately built cliff house, um, stone. It was built in 1912 by an old cowboy. Uh, beautiful wow. architecture inside. Um, last time I was out there, uh, my buddy and I, you know, we start walking up the, the floors, uh, inside are wood. Um, and there's a Creek that runs about a hundred yards in front of the cabin through this Canyon. And, uh, we get inside and I start looking down at the wood floor and there's, you know, these little, almost maybe five or six inch tiny wet footprints across the uh, wood oh. floor that just go into this kitchen area and disappear. And it's like, man, there's some serious what? energy down in these canyons. Yeah. What? I have goosebumps. You can actually see it. Yeah. You can see it in one of my videos. I have it recorded. It's the Redfield Canyon cliff house video. Um, right it's, it's an absolute trip. Yeah. Yeah. Go check that out. It's, it's a spooky place. It's one of the most uniquely built, um, cabins whatever you want to call it i just can't really explain it kind of reminds me of like an ancient you know indigenous cliff dwelling but it was built in 1912 it's it's just stunning but we have stuff like that it's just these quirky quirky places all over southern arizona all over what arizona have, in general what would have been the nearest civilization for that guy who built that where, where would be the nearest you know um mar- place to read goods and stuff Tucson, Tucson is about 40, 30 or 40 miles, uh, due west. And then there's Benson and Tombstone to the south. Uh, I'm sure you've probably heard of Tombstone. Um, oh yeah. That's pretty close, but I mean, nothing, you know, back then it was horseback and, uh, mule That'd be a trick. sort of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, there's nothing really close. So just, really trying to grasp the construction of this place is it's almost impossible. It's, it's just rugged 
you know, slot canyons. It, it's it's an incredible piece of architecture. It is wild. It, I don't care if we get off track here a little bit, but I was watching some YouTube channels of like, you know, the early native, and we don't know how old they were saying, like, you know, four or five thousand years old, and like old school. Yeah, and they were like up in the cliffs and stuff. I'm oh, like, yeah. how the heck did we they even get up there? And and it's like the stone was cut perfectly square, and it's like, oh, it's incredible. The ladder yeah. rungs are still there. I'm like, golly, yep. what what would have forced them to have built in such a difficult area other than protection probably but what would have protection been? um to keep yourself out of the elements i've been to many many uh uh mogion they're they're called the mogion people the salado people um they were here around you know 900 to 1400 uh until the apaches wiped them out um but most of the time these cliff dwellings you see are built into these big kind of circular shaped rocky outcroppings in the side of these massive mountains, um, you know, a hundred, hundred feet off the canyon floor. There's always water. Um, pretty much if you go in any canyon in Arizona, um, and there's water running and there's cliffs that surround this canyon, there's a good chance you're going to find some sort of cliff dwelling. So there's this beautiful one. Uh, I did a video on it called devil's chasm. Um, up in the Sierra Anka mountain range and it is easily the most incredibly built cliff dwelling I've ever been to. Uh, there's wow. still original Matatis, uh, just all sorts of stuff. So really, really just and cool stuff. That one was still wild or was it under, you know, some sort of park? Uh, that's uh, protected. So we have a lot of wilderness designated wilderness area out here. I, I'm not sure if it's the same way, you know, where you're at, but, um, Technically, wilderness is still public use. Uh, it's just no motorized use. Obviously, no drones. Um, it's so that's most of the. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say that's another stipulation on the definition of wilderness. You know, if if it is to restrict uh, vehicles and drones, but that statement or that law or whatever is saying human also falls under that category, and that's why some of these Moab trails and other trails that legally are being able to be yeah, swapped out, closed down, whatever. Right. It's, it's in that verbiage, but that's, that's cool, man. And I, I think there, I think there is a technical difference between BLM wilderness sanctioned areas mm, and national forest point. wilderness sanctioned areas. Um, I know Utah has a lot of BLM national forest falls under a different standard from what I understand, but I, most of all of them, all of them in Arizona are, uh, you, you can travel by foot. We have a cool. lot out here. Um, really interesting. There's a 1965 wilderness act, um, that was published obviously in 1965, which deemed started to deem more, uh, wilderness preservation areas, but it actually, the wordage included drones inside of it. And that's just really, mm. it's really strange to think, you know, from 65, 65. Yeah. Yep. They restricted drone drones. So even back then they were considering it. What in the world? That wasn't yeah. an add on. They didn't add that to No, it. no, no. This is, this is from 1965. I was looking back through some of the documents. I'm going to look that up. It. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really weird that you definitely should. That's, but, that's, yeah, that's wild, dude. 60 some years ago. So it's pretty, pretty incredible to think they were, they were considering that that might, might become a thing down the road on manned aircraft. That is insane. Yeah. Um, I love old history and stuff like that. I can tell you're very passionate about it. Obviously that's what you do a lot of. 
Um, yeah, like for our area, when we go down the, Ar- the Ozarks and stuff, we find a bunch of old, like, stone um, walls, like almost uh, uh, yeah, three or four partials or whatever you want to call it. But they'll go, right. they'll go forever. Stretch and, forever, uh, yeah. I guarantee those things are 160, 200-something years old. Oh, by yeah. Slave built down in Arkansas. Oh, for and, sure. You know, yeah. And it's very... It's not eerie, but to a point it is. When you come across one of these items that a man or a woman touched, and you're like, how in the world did they get here? Yeah, right. That stuff's just so cool. All of it to me is kind of, it's got got an eerie sort of vibe to it. I mean, when Mm -hmm. when you're getting out to these places that you're like, man, how how would anybody survive out here? And there's, you know, a cliff dwelling or some, you know, 150-year-old cabin. It's just like such an incredible thing to think of. Yeah, blows your mind, man. That it sure and, does. And I don't care if we get off track again, but I always tell people like, I'll go do a two part on this one. Like men today, I don't care if you're the biggest, baddest man today. <laughs> you're not a fraction of what those no. men were. Those guys no. were grit, tooth and nail. Oh, nothing to, to, bothered them. To think about the guys that you know, early, early 1900s, late 1800s, that you know they have. They're, they're dozing these roads that go on for, you know, 60 miles up into some massive, massive pass where they're going to dig a hundred foot hole into the side of a mountain where they might have a chance to score right. some, you know, valuable ore. It's just, there's, there's no man on this planet anymore, you know, at least in the yeah. United States that can compare to that, just that hardness of, of them, you yeah. know, centuries ago. It's crazy. Yeah. And the second, the second point I was going to make about that. So, um, uh, you know, like the early settlers and all that, early explorers that pushed west, you know. So Missouri, that was the beginning of the um, the Oregon Trail was up there in Independence, Missouri. Right, right. So a bunch of trailblazers, the old sur- early developers and all that stuff came through. But I'm talking like south. So whenever we're down there on trails in the middle of these hills, you know, down uh-huh. these haulers and stuff. And I'm thinking a grown man was dragging his family through here, you know. Oh, yeah without a wagon like yep. they were on foot and i'm yep. like the that just blows our minds you know we're out there just driving around oh it's incredible the world, i mean yeah. it's it, nothing you, you you just really you can't take it in i mean we have uh it's called the butterfield overland um stage stops all they they start in missouri oh, cool. um, and they run south into texas through new mexico i've done a few videos on it kind of following those but just to think, you know, you hit Comancheria in Texas, there's, you know, there's no one to save you. You make it through Comancheria, now you're in Apache land. It's just, it, you, you can't even consider the amount of danger these people were in, but they still did it anyways. That's crazy. Yeah. Love it. So intriguing. Let's yeah, shift gears. I can, I can go Let's down shift. a rabbit hole on that. <laughs> well, I love it. I think that stuff's fun. We, we'll do another one one of these days. We'll do like sure. kind of history. Because I'm going to do like, I plan on doing like live streams and stuff. And I think if like if me and you worked on something ahead of time, you could actually provide us with pictures and maybe small video clips. I think that'd be something we should do. Oh, I'd love to do that, man. Yeah. Cause yeah, there's like no agenda for my new project. I don't, you know, as long as we're all having fun, that's fine with me. Um, let's see here. Let's talk about, (laughs) I know, uh, you're a little bit tongue in cheek sometimes on this overlanding and, budget stuff and yeah, you know to sure a am. point there's a lot of truth there uh yeah. 
Let's go down. Let's go like uh down like a ten. Minute. Let's let's restrain ourselves. Let's do like a ten minute tangent on. Cool. Let's do it. What I'm do you want to it. talk about? Like, what's all the cringy things? What's stuff that bothers you? What's let's look at some positives also. <laughs> yeah. Let her fly I mean, for ten minutes. <laughs> what? So you know, I when we first started this podcast, I was talking about the guys that just went out. They built their rigs. Um, you know, they take them out to four wheel parts. They get them kitted out with the nicest stuff. You know, they've got their synchrony financial financing all of their parts just to hit a coffee and crawlers and, you know, maybe a, a local trail run every now and then, you know, same trails within the same county that, that really, I, I don't, I don't know why it irks me so much, but it's, <laughs> I don't know why that people want to go spend so much money just to sit around in the same area for so long or just do the same thing. It's just, I, I guess I, I can't say I, I did that when I started out cause I didn't know anybody. Um, I was pretty new to it, but then they take it to social media, you know, they go and they log one trail, they save all this content and they spam it for, you know, a couple months until they hit the next one. And they're out there pushing their promo codes for these parts that they're getting <laughs> sponsored with. And I'm just like, just, you know, use what you got. Everything I have built on my truck has been secondhand other than a select amount of parts off of like Facebook marketplace. I just, yeah. I'm super utilitarian. If it works for me, I don't need something fancy. Um, I've had sponsors reaching out for like the last two years trying to push fridges, you know, just scottles. I'm like, dude, my my thirty dollar Walmart stove and my cast iron pan, it works yeah. fantastic for the cheeseburger that I'm gonna eat every night. But I finally just took my first sponsor. Um it's Melopron Rack. They sent me a box. It's a nice box. Would I buy one? No, never. I would I would never consider buying a three hundred, four hundred dollar box. I can go to Walmart and mm. get a tote for, you know, fifteen bucks. But yeah. That's the that's the sort of stuff that just kinda kinda grinds my gears, I guess. And I yeah. I, I do talk about it a lot on my channel and uh I was out there with my Tundra and it's not, it's budget built, but it's not a budget overland rig. So that's yeah. why I'm, I don't know if you've seen my RAV build, my 98 yeah. RAV. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. that's why I went out and bought that was I need to shift directions on my platform. I can't talk down about all these people who have these, you know, expensive yeah. rigs when I have an expensive rig. So I went, went out and bought a $2,500 car that has all wheel drive. Um, and pretty much everything on that has been budget built. I haven't put more than, you know, 500 bucks into the gear, you know, my sleeping situation. I've done, you know, a couple, couple parts rebuilds and whatnot, but I'm really just yeah. trying to use that as like a budget platform. I think that's good because a lot of people don't have a lot. And, and, and why no. should you spend a lot to go out on these roads anyway? There's it's no just, need for it. It's glorified now, if, car camping, you know? If you're going to go out for months, Please, by yeah. all means, deck it out. Yeah, deck for sure. Well, if you're going out like I do, I, I go out. The longest I've ever gone out is like five nights. And I'm like, that's okay. very far and few between because of work and stuff. So I'm more of a yeah. weekend lander. Exactly. Honestly, it's not if really, I can yeah, go and get two order. or three nights out of it. So I could relate yeah. more to that. But that's kind of another reason why I'm kind of just jumping ship on this whole budget overland thing is. When I started Budget Overland, it was like, don't go in debt, buy what you need, and then pay <laughs> right. cash for it, you know, and, right. and then think of why do you need that? Do you really need right. it, or, right. or is it just for looks? Do you need so a lot it? of people go out? It, it, 
You just, yeah. you just use what's realistic. I mean, what's going to work within your budget? I, I, when I first started, I did the same thing. I went out and I financed parts because I thought I, I needed this stuff. And, uh, the more experience I got under my belt, I'm like, man, I don't need this fancy gear. I just need to sleep one night. I need to cook food. And then we're on the trail all day next day. I'd mm-hmm. rather put money into, you know, gearing out my rig uh so it's suitable for trails not not focusing on the camping type gear it's it's kind of kind of relevant for me what grinds my gears is because we got the are you in our budget overland facebook group are you on facebook i am no if you're on to join that yeah yeah so we keep hiding the group because we just passed sixty thousand members the other day so i was like this is ridiculous yeah so we like put the group on like super hidden mode. So not unless you invite yeah. a buddy or you know of it, are you going to search? For right. It? Right. But you know, we were getting like 600 people a week that would be new members. <sighs> so it's the same cycle of questions. So I'm like, yeah, this is daunting. Yeah. Use the search bar, not to be a, you know, not to be that it, guy, no, but no, it's like exactly. to a yeah. point you're going to find a lot more in, you know, detailed information in the search bar. But exactly. the first thing they do is they take a picture of their, and I don't care if it's a 2000 model or a 2023 model, they'll yeah. post it up and they'll be like, Hey guys, what, uh, what should I do to build out my rig? Well, I don't know. Go fill it up, get some food and go camping. Um, yeah, just get out write a list. Exactly. Come home the next day and say, right. this didn't work. That did that work. Exactly. That didn't, that didn't, that didn't. And then people methodically go into it. They put so much thought into the beforehand and, they get out there and they just realize, you know, you either need this stuff or you don't need it. It's just mm-hmm. go out with your rig, be able to yeah. cook food, be able to sleep, make sure that you can make it home. And the next time, you know, you know what more you need to prep for. And that's just kind of, uh, I, it, it's, it's, it's a beginner thing. I mean, a lot of it people, is. they overestimate the backcountry travel, the stuff that they're going to need. And it's pretty simple. But then it also falls on you and me and whoever else has a platform. Right. And I'm not, you know, to educate people on this stuff. So like, right. and that's with my new project, I'm going to probably plug that in every freaking episode just to help snowball it. But, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's targeted more towards the folks that have been doing it for at least a couple of years or at right. least have been out. We know right. that you can't put 35s on a stock Tacoma without a little <laughs> bit of a lift, you know, and then yeah. you got articulation issues and all this bull stuff that we pretty much already know at this point, which right. I'm not saying I don't want anybody that's new to the hobby to come in. Honestly, if you're new to the hobby, you should probably check it out because it'll save you thousands of dollars and For then sure. you'll probably benefit even more so. So anyway, yeah. I'm focusing more on the why. So I rebranded right. or I, I, I keep saying rebranded. I came out with a new um project called new found overland it's a rediscovery of the word overland it's a new take on the word right so that's great man yeah so that's where i'm at uh, a lot of people could benefit that from that too because you know with the commercialization of everything just uh yeah taking taking the shift in a different the platform shift in a different direction um Mm -hmm. you know kind of weeding out the people that, you know, you still want to educate the new people, but get to more of the intermediate level to try to start yeah. educating further past that. And this is a, I had a discussion with a friend and he's actually getting ready to start a podcast outskirts overland. Go check him out. Give him a follow all that fun stuff. 
but we were talking about the younger generation. Who's the next crew? And you're pretty young, considering right. that a lot of people in this hobby are pushing 50, 60, and that ballpark. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's a lot of guys in their 40s and 30s. That's where I range. You're in your 20s. I know guys younger than you that are doing it. But oh, where yeah. are the young pups? Where are they going for their information? Where are they going to get this stuff? A lot of people aren't on Facebook if you're under the age of 30. Right. So where are they getting <laughs> exactly. this knowledge? Probably YouTube and a lot of YouTube's flooded with infomercials. I like how you're legit. Yeah. But uh, to a point, I mean, if a company brings you something that's decent gear or something, I mean, I'm not going to say no unless it's something the I don't believe in. Or if there's standards, see what they support. See where they're spending their money. See right. what shows they're going to. See what clubs they're donating to. And, you exactly. know, go from there. So, like, that's... and. I, it's just crazy. And I think people that have been in it for a minute can see all this BS and are oh, yeah. finally wanting to go out and enjoy it without all the freaking promotion on for everything. Sure. Yeah. Slow yep. down everything. guys. Instagram. I mean, every, every influencer is, you know, like I said, they're posting their promo code for some crap piece of gear that nobody really needs, yeah. but they got it for free. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you remember back in the day, um, you've got a forerunner, right? I'm sure you, yeah. Were you ever a part of like Tacoma World Forum, I Hate Mud, that sort of stuff? Uh, I was in the I Hate Mud for like the 80 series Land Cruiser stuff. I like oh, that. Right on. right on. Those forums. Yeah. But like, uh, the who was the four, Forerunner Beast? Is that the same thing? There's Forerunner um, Beast and then there was Tacoma Beast. Tacoma Beast is what I'm Tacoma thinking of. Tacoma Beast, yeah. That guy's, he, I, I don't know the guy, so I can't dog on him or nothing. But He's got a cool truck, I yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he got very... Uh, commercialized open his own store and whatnot but where i was going with that i mean when sure. i first started all the information was on forums i mean facebook you know you'd find some overland forums here and there but it was really just to come world i hate mud meetups you get out yeah like-minded people but now it's you know the younger generation i think you're right it's just relying on youtube and uh instagram and that's kind of where people are the younger generation sourcing a lot of this information but that's who, like, kind of, you know, my buddy, he's after them. He's like, how can we educate yeah. these younger guys Target to do this audience. smart? Yeah. So when they're yeah. 40, they'll still be in it. You know, it's not sure. all the Instagram. Uh, we're almost yeah. at 10 minutes on the rant and race. But uh, <laughs> exploiting your girlfriend for views on YouTube. I'm not oh. saying you. I'm using this as an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right, you know how, right. like they whore out their girlfriends to just get views and same thing oh, with Instagram, yeah. you know, it's this oh. giant cleavage stuff, but I'm like, oh, yeah. that's you... not practical <laughs> with 90% no. of these guys that are doing this content stuff are like, Oh yeah. I ain't going to catch me outside funny. doing I mean, that. Any chick <laughs> that has a, uh, you know, starter pack Tacoma build, they're easily going to be pulling in 20, 30, 50,000 followers and whatnot. Crazy. It's just like, yeah, sure. You can use your body and your looks, but it's like, do you, do you really use that, that rig? You're just kind of putting an odd influence out there on, on the younger minds probably, but yeah, that was my last rant. What's your last rant? You got one? Are we good? I think this is, this is I, healthy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, for sure. I don't, to a point, I, we're not dogging on anyone specifically, but no, no, we see but the same things. Yeah. I, this this goes around my fireside conversations a lot. This is <laughs> the general topic of uh, a lot of my fireside rants with my my buddies. We're all the same. I mean, yeah, 
I've got eighties land cruiser, land cruiser friends that, uh, they've got, you know, 300, 400,000 miles on the rigs. They're sleeping on cardboard in the back, just whatever they can just yeah. to get along into the next day. So, I mean, yeah. we're, we're all, we're all like-minded in the same, same book. Yeah. Um, let's talk about, I know we're coming up on 50, which is okay. If you're okay. Oh um, yeah, whatever. So, so like, let's, I hate to say this, but like the overland scene, you know what I'm talking uh-huh. about? So it's yep. like in my region, you've got Kansas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Arkansas mm-hmm. to a point. That's one big scene. All right. There's okay. hundreds of thousands of people in that bubble. Do you okay. guys have kind of a big bubble in your area or you know what I'm saying? Like there's multiple car clubs, there's multiple yeah. rigs and coffees, all that stuff that's all targeted yeah, we, towards the overland. Yeah. I mean, we have, you know, we have our Tucson Tacomas, Tucson Forerunners, Arizona groups. Um, I don't involve myself really with any of that. I mean, a lot of it's, you know, it's coffee and crawlers and a trail run with 10, 15 rigs. I'm not, I'm absolutely not doing that. I, I, I right. just wince at the idea of going out with that many people, but, um, yeah, we have that sort of community out here and that's great for people who are just starting. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, personally, I don't, I don't really get involved in that stuff. Uh, other than I'm hosting a big uh, cleanup this weekend, trying to clean Sweet. some public land. So I've invited them out. But uh, really, other than that, I mean, it's not huge out here. Uh, New Mexico, there's really nothing nothing in New Mexico other than up near like Albuquerque. Um, New Mexico is a great state. New Mexico too. organization, whatever. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. I mean, yeah. Toyotas of New Mexico, I think, is a group. Um, but yeah, really, I mean, our states, they're, they're so, they're so big. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of distance between, between towns and cities and whatnot. So I think they do big meets every now and then, but yeah. I was just going to say like for us, it has blown, which it's blown up everywhere, but I'm saying like oh, yeah. in the last three years, even it has just gotten huge Oh yeah, in our area yeah. for sure. But, uh, well, yeah, yeah man, I, I mean, didn't know. It's, it's just like. These groups, I call them starter pack rigs. It's, you know, a guy on, on 33s, uh, bed rack tent. I mean, that's most of, most of the meats are just these starter pack. You just described my vehicle. Well, you have, you have a great forerunner. I like that build Thank a you. lot. She's a, she's a high mileage club, but everything on is pretty much brand new. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I, those surgeons, I love those surgeons. Honestly, forerunners are, they're probably my favorite Toyota. Um, I think the fifth gen forerunner is easily the greatest piece of, uh, modern Toyota in production. It's, it's really just hard to beat, beat those. I mean, the new ones coming out, I'm hearing, you know, loads of recalls and whatnot, but they haven't changed the forerunner yet. And I'm really hoping they don't. Yeah. Supposedly they're rolling out with one twenty six. Oh, okay. I think I read that right. Or no, yeah. it's 25. Okay. It's 25. Next I'm not year. surprised. I'm, I really so like, wish right, let, Let's talk about this real quick yeah. though. Like the uh, the new GX five fifty, the LX five fifty, whatever you want to call it, the Land uh-huh. Cruiser. You got the Trail Hunter. Yeah. What do you think on those three? And it doesn't. We don't um, have to get into specs, but like as far as looks and functionality for you. Let's say you were going to buy one of those three. Which one are you picking? Uh, if if I had the funds, obviously I'd be buying the Trail Hunter, but that's clearly way out of my budget. I think they look great. Um, 
do I necessarily trust the new drivetrain platforms? Not really, but um, I have a buddy that he's one of the head Lexus techs in Tucson, and he said Lexus is still, you know, holding their reliability versus Toyota. Um, a lot of the the Toyotas coming out of the states are just they're losing it. I mean, they they don't have a naturally aspirated motor anymore, which is kind of uh in my opinion it's it's obviously for miles per gallon but you're throwing an extra component that can break but i think those gx's look sweet i mean i've always liked lexus my uh mm-hmm. my father-in-law has a uh an old 470 and it has nice. like 400,000 miles on it so the lexus Dang. platforms are great but i just um, I, I myself i couldn't buy a new vehicle just specifically on the trails i'm going down i mean i'm getting body damage and whatnot it's just it's not feasible it's kind of cringy whenever you see well and it's not my money so like when i (laughs) when i drive down and i scratch mine up i don't care but when i i try not to tear up my stuff but like when i see a brand new seventy thousand dollar built out rig even if it's mild built out rig i'm like right right yeah it's uh (laughs) You're you're really you're really pushing that fancy clear coat on there, but not my problem, not my money I spent. Nope. Cool man. Dude, we're coming up on an hour. I know, we pushed some time here. We should probably do a part two one of these days. Which we <laughs> yeah, will. I think so. Yeah, you tell um, me when. If you can get a hold of me. <laughs> I'll send a pigeon now. Yeah. Um, Let's see here. How can people follow you? How can people follow you and actually support you? Like, uh, do you want them to subscribe? You want them to leave comments? Tell them to do all that stuff. They'll do it. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you like my content, obviously, I'm not going to ask you to subscribe if you're not interested in it. But YouTube, my platform's White Dog Overland, mostly southern Arizona, New Mexico base, um, just backcountry adventures. I cover a ton of history. Uh, it's It's basically like you know, 40 minute video of Arizona, New Mexico history, um, white dog overland on YouTube, white dog overland on Instagram. I'm pretty involved on my Instagram. Uh, I try to, you know, I try to talk with people and, uh, have good conversations on there, put out, you know, sort of edgy content to get people thinking about what they're doing. Um, I have a Facebook page. It's not huge. It's called four corners backcountry adventure. Um, it's just, you know, people can get on there and share their, their travels in Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona. Um, so that's pretty much it. I mean, love to have conversations about this stuff. And uh, I try to try to be pretty interactive with my platforms, put out enough content yeah. to keep people interested. So Very cool. Well, dude, I'm glad this worked out. I appreciate you coming yeah, on the show. Yeah, for sure, dude. I'm looking forward to next time. Maybe we'll uh, yeah. meet up on the trail somewhere <laughs> in between one of these days. Yeah, dude, for sure. Well, guys, don't forget to go over and like all the things. Check out the show notes. I'll link everything in the description below. Until next time, bye-bye.